You wanna hear a good joke? Nobody speak, nobody get choked. Sports fans, it is Friday here on 89.1 KHOL, and Teton Sports Talk is here to bring you a little bit closer to your weekend. I'm your host, Massey Zeman, and as always, down in Texas, Graham Trainer. Massey Zeman, I was early, uh, earlier in the month. Happy birthday, my friend. It is, well, actually, are we going to do a show on Tuesday? Uh, we could do a show Tuesday or Wednesday. Okay, okay, okay. I, I I haven't really solidified my Thanksgiving plans besides having the nieces and nephew or the niece and nephew over uh, and their parents and my cousin, and we're going to light some things on fire, as is the Zeman family tradition, and that's as far as I've gotten. So if you can hear this and you are and you want a Thanksgiving plans, you don't have any, hit me up. Uh, we'll make we'll find a spot for you at the table, which has no chairs. Bring your own BYOC. Bring your own chair to my house. No chairs at the table at Red Table? At Red Top, Red it's, top. it's like a, <laughs> it's like I'll take a I'll take a, a four top. It's it's uh, server lingo. Red Top. There you go, four top. I like that. Um, you're burying the lead though. It's your birthday. It's you and Troy's birthday on Tuesday. Uh, a combined sixty-eight, right? That's right. Someone asked me how old I was, and it and I'm at the age where I was like, oh, I'm thirty-three. Wait a minute, I think I'm thirty-three. Did I just turn thirty? Am I about to turn thirty-three? And I was like, uh oh, this is it. This is where I started to slip. Oh, you started like like Chris Christopherson starting to slip. Oh, I'm Chris Christopherson. I found Blade in an alley feeding on some homeless vagabonds. I was trying my best, Chris Christopherson, at the, uh, the top of the show. In case anybody was wondering if that was out of context, packed show more, this week. It's a little, yeah, it's a little more wisp. It's a little more like quail, quail blade, whale blade, whale blade. Like Sam, you got more of a little Sam Elliott. We we discussed this off the air, but yeah, packed show. So no time for this no, crap. No time for Sam Elliott and Chris Christopherson uh, uh, impressions. We have a packed show, and I want to go ahead. There's two leads. I'm going to shoot this one. Oh. Uh, the, what we need to talk about immediately, we need to address this immediately, is Antonio Brown. Oh, man. Falsified a, a, a Vax card, which I think he did with a copy and paste uh, on Windows, Microsoft Word or whatever it is. To, to copy a Vax card has to be one of the easiest things to obtain. Like, you don't have to go to your sketchy uh, your sketchy friend's house and be like, hey, man, where'd you, where'd you get that bag? You just ask around for a Vax card. I'm sure they have them laying around. It's not like you have to like go to someone and be like, yo, man, I need you to give me a document, a Vax card. I mean, those things are they're available in every every major city, I'm, I'm, I'm assume. Dime a dozen. Um, yeah, there's no picture. There's no fake ID. Like, I remember when we got, allegedly, when we got fake IDs when I was, uh, when I was a, a tyke and I had to get a picture made and um, it was a terrible fake ID and I had to pretend like I was from Oklahoma, Oklahoma every time I went to the, to the gas uh, to the gas store. That's, the, that's <laughs> terrible. A Texan, a Texan having to go to the gas store with an Oklahoma ID where you're like, howdy, I'm go. from Oklahoma. And you're like, we don't care. We don't care. Do you want booze? Do you not want booze? You look like you're 10. Yeah. You got any oil? But I mean, yeah, you could literally just ask any kid on a street corner, be like, hey, do you got a three by five card you can fill out for me and I can turn it into a, a vaccination card. I did, this was my critical number because I didn't know what the market was for these things. It was $500 that he was willing to pay 
for a J&J fake Vax card, specifically a Johnson & Johnson one. I guess that's considered the the NFL elite one. Oh. Um, but it was interesting that his girlfriend asked their chef to ask a guy they know to acquire said Vax card. So I thought that funny that the like I asked my friend's cousin's plumber's ex-wife. Yeah. You know. That and, whole thing. And they know a guy. And the chef outed him. Or was the chef just like had a too too few many bevies at a bar and let it slip to what he didn't know was the CBS reporter sitting next to him? I don't know. I don't know how I don't know who because uh, the girlfriend spoke on it, so I don't know like who was the the one that who's the whistleblower here? It's it's hilarious to me that he would pay five hundred dollars for a fake Vax card when all he had to do was like like just well, he he had two choices: get vaccinated or uh, put on a mask and like do Zoom calls. Which I'm assuming, if you're an NFL player, do media approaching the media might be easier over Zoom because you don't have to like wear pants or address all their questions or like it's just not the same thing. I thought it'd be like more more better when it comes from the media standpoint, just to like say you're not vaxxed. Yeah, then you can always hit in meeting for all and just kind of say the internet broke. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I'm sorry. You're cutting out and just X out who you don't want to talk to. <laughs> the questions are not fun anymore. So 500 bucks a pop for a uh, vaccination card. I'm about to go. I'm about to go to the Presbyterian church and see where they're keeping those things over here in Jackson. Be like, Hey, I got, these things are hot in the NFL right now. I need, I need these. And, uh, the housing costs has driven me to forge vax cards. Just go to go to Staples. Start a start a side hustle. There you go. Yeah. So hit me up for all you uh, for all you unvaccinated people that want a vax card. Hit me up. Uh, Jackson rate though is gonna be thousand bucks a pop. Massey.zeman at gmail. Yeah. Massey.zeman.42069 at gmail. Oh. <laughs> uh so um, pack again pack show. Let's huddle up. I feel like we need to get into some structure before we uh, before we lose our entire listening fan base. The huddle is the good news of the week, the critical number of the week, something that you were stuck on, your quote slash question of the week. Graham, I'll kick it to you. What is your good news of the week? Them Cowboys got their poop back together. They put a hurting on the Atlanta Falcons. That was a get-right game. 40-point get-right game. Um, I was getting a little tired of these Atlanta fans walking around with their, with their chest puffed out. And I think this is a good way to kind of just kick them back down after the Braves win. So Dawson talking to you, you know, we liked having you on, but you've been a little intense on Instagram lately and yeah, Cowboys are back on, back on the right path. Falcons are losing again tonight to the Patriots, Atlanta, you know, it was fun. We had a good time. Uh, I don't remember anything about the Falcons being any good at sports. I mean, at football. <laughs> So I I don't even know what to talk about. I like how you made up a narrative that the Falcons fans were acting like they they uh, owned the place because their baseball team won. Uh, the Falcons. Well, they had been a uh, better than better than their record New Orleans Saints team. So yeah, they did they did do that, and the Saints are. This is the remainder of the Saints season is going to be just like that. It's going to surprise surprising wins, and then surprising losses i don't think there's going to be anything in between i just thought yeah i think i think before the season i think flacco starting for the jets on sunday is a surprise 
that Flacco is going to be a starter, but you couldn't have. I guess the one quarterback I would have thought would not be starting this year was Trevor Simeon. I didn't even know he was in the league. I didn't either. I thought we were going to start. uh, We drafted somebody, uh, Notre Dame quarterback from uh, last year, and I I thought for sure that he would be the third-string quarterback. I didn't know Trevor Simeon was even in the room. Ian Book, is that guy still the – was that the guy we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. Ian Book? They drafted him. I don't know if he's still there. I'm sorry I lost track of Ian Book. But also lost track of Trevor Simeon. So I was like, Taysom Hill or, or Jameis. And it's like, no, you. Trevor Simeon, you're in. And Taysom's like, wait a minute, what? He, Taysom Hill needs to get more touches. Uh, sorry, I won't go on a diatribe about the Saints. Any more, <laughs> any more of your good news? The Cowboys, what are they playing? The Chargers at the, this week? This week? No, dude. Chiefs game. The Chiefs are back. That's the Cowboys what I are back. Both, both coming off get right games. The Chiefs. The chief, the Chiefs beat the crap out of their Vegas rivals and took the yeah took a pretty tight division and put a forty one to thirteen so like two forty point wins almost for both teams coming off uh, last week into this this showdown I think it's Sunday night football no no it's thir- it's a uh, three o'clock game on Sunday and Michael Gallup's back in is he going to have an impact for the Cowboys he's back yeah yeah I think I think he's a good way to stretch the field he's a deep guy. All right, all right. Um, my good news of the week, uh, I was stuck in a hotel room last night and I was watching College Football Live. That is not the good news of the week because I, I do not like that show. But I was given it a chance, and they pulled up a graphic, which I just absolutely love, blind resume season. Blind? Ex- Go ahead. Explain. Blind resume. Blind resume season is a lot like when uh, March Madness comes around. They put together two teams, and they put together metrics that make whatever the lesser-ranked team look better than the ranked team. And so, Mm -hmm. like, even the commentators were like, well, Team A looks like they should be better than Team B by the metrics that you've hand-picked here. So, I don't know. And it's like, this team is Notre Dame, and this team is, like, Alabama and they're like great what do these metrics mean even even the shine has worn off for with like the color commentators on college football uh whatever live but it is so fun to guess the teams and it's so fun to know that that graphic is going to make the lesser team who feel like they've been cheated mad Mm -hmm. I think that's so much fun but well if you look at uh passing yards every third and long we beat Alabama by a long shot you're like okay all right cool right on um, also, I think it's the college football rankings, which we'll, we'll, we'll get to a little later, but if you're Oregon, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, and Cincinnati, I feel like you don't have complete control of your destiny, so you're watching this committee like Hawks, and did you see this guy come out and, and say that the wins and losses matter less? We look at statistics. Did you see this? Who said this? One of the guys on the college football committee, when ad- when addressing like the Michigan State un- uh, being ranked lower than Michigan, we're like, well, we don't always just look at the games; we look at uh, some of the statistics as well. So we're like, he was trying to say we have like a deep understanding of both teams, and what he didn't really mean to say was the wins and losses don't matter. And it's like, yeah, they do. Yes. Yes, they do. This matters. And it's so funny to me that he's like, well, we're looking at, you know, different metrics. I'm like, you have to look yeah. at the at the single most important record at, uh, metric, and that is wins and losses. So this was, yeah, you're talking about the, was this the guy who's in the, he's the Big Ten commissioner who's on the committee, and he was trying to, like, talk about 
Michigan State had beat Michigan, but Michigan State is behind Michigan now, which is one of those things that gets in when you get to this point in the season when two teams, the top six or eight, have played each other, like Oregon and Ohio State. They're correctly like aligned. Oregon's ahead of Ohio State because yeah. they beat them. Michigan, Michigan State looks weird because they're saying it didn't matter that Michigan State beat Michigan. It's more about the other stuff surrounding the other games right. that had nothing to do with matchup, which, yeah, doesn't make any sense. I know that, yeah, they, they have to like do damage control in, in situations like these. What's really funny is that it's not a com- remember when it was a computer algorithm and we trusted the computers? Well, well, we wrote an algorithm. It's like that doesn't ma- mean anything. And now we get now we at least have a face that we can be like, you're wrong and yell out on Twitter and get in arguments with random on random message boards talking about how the committee's all corrupt. I love it. I love everything about college football. I do too. I love that people already they're complaining they want the BCS back. It's just absurd. The BCS. <laughs> no, you don't. No one wants the BCS back besides Alabama fans because it was like, does your name begin with an A and end with an A? Okay, you're in. You're that you leaped up four spots randomly, <laughs> and Alabama fans were like, yeah, dead bear Bryant would have loved loved it. Uh, so, what is your critical number of the week? Mine was the five hundred dollars uh, for AB. I actually written two down, so you're lucky. You spoiled my first one, so I'll go with my second one. Number forty-one will be retired. By oh, it's it's the- well. I already knew this. Uh, I knew this was going to be yours, so I, I felt comfortable talking about Antonio Brown's five hundred dollar uh, vaccination card. Dirk's number forty-one will be put into up into the rafters. Because the Dallas Mavericks stink so bad this year, they need people oh, to start oh. showing up to the arena. Whoa, whoa, dude. Uh, yeah, uh, bummer game last night. For some reason, we're playing Phoenix on the road Wednesday and Friday, which is very strange, back-to-back like that. Mm-hmm. But we almost beat Phoenix on the road with Porzingis as our lead player, which I would have been very impressed with, even though we're like 12 games into the season. But it'd be you know one of those, one of those uh, November statement wins that we talk about so much on the show yeah. in the NBA. And, yeah, they fell Lucas out for a little bit. Um, yeah, we need, we need a little little charity. We need Dirk to Dirk to come out and, and smile with the veneers and clap and put his number up. He's uh, over on uh, – percentage chance he cries. Oh, 98. Okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say. The, um, the Phoenix Suns, we wrote them off early in the year. Like, people stopped talking about them, and they're all kind of – Clamoring over the Golden State Warriors as they have a resurgence uh, again out there in the in the Bay Area, but the Phoenix Suns have reeled off like ten in a row or something like that. They're, I mean, they won the West last year and they got a little depth in the in the center position. And I think they're going to do really well, and no one's talking about them probably because they're in Phoenix. Yeah, people get fatigue of teams that were just good, so nobody nobody wants to talk about Milwaukee and Phoenix right now because it's not cool. Okay. Well, Milwaukee looked good against the the Lakers, who look old. They look old. Simmons is old. Old and LeBronless. LeBron is the third oldest player in the NBA. Did you know that? Is he really? Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh, Carmelo Anthony Hello. and LeBron are all yeah. both the same age or a year apart. And they're yeah, about a year apart tops. And then there's a gentleman on Miami. I'm forgetting his name, but he's been he's like a lifer in Miami. And then there's Adonis? yeah, and then there's uh, Andre Iguodala, and then it's like LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, 
I looked it up. I looked it up last night as people were asking me, like, "Do you even know any of these anybody on the Lakers?" And I was like, "They have like the Hall of Fame running up and down the court here. These geriatrics you see going up and down the court. There's like three Hall of Famers right there." Wait, we got called out, or you got called out specifically? No, the, the someone was like, "Are the Lakers any good? Do they have anybody? Do they even have anybody on their team?" I was like, "Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, like those names. Those are like the most." Hey, Rajon, Dwight Howard? Yeah, like they're like, really? And I was like, yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> my critical number of the week. And I I have two here, and I think one is one is more shocking than the other, but seven hundred million dollars. Speaking of the seven, Lakers. The Lakers. They are they're worth more than that. Oh, they're I don't know. They, they might be they might be worth more as much as like a English soccer franchise. Yeah, they're probably a, they're probably a, a good bill. Um, Seven hundred. The Clippers sold for two. Is this how much LeBron makes a year in endorsements in LA? Seven hundred million dollars to rename the Staples Center's Crypto.com. Crypto.com. A Singapore-based cryptocurrency uh, website. Oh, oh, China. Twenty-year deal on December twenty-fifth, Christmas Day games. You will no longer see the Staples logo. Up on the uh, Staples Center, it will be called Crypto.com. Is this a cryptocurrency like Coinbase? Is this like a trading platform? Is this for investing? Uh, I saw the word crypto, and I was like, I bet you I don't understand it. <laughs> Fair enough. And, yeah, then, and then that's as much as my research went. They're mining, they're mining for crypto. That's th- still I don't understand, but you know, someday I'll figure it out. There's no picks and there's no shovels in the mining. I don't get. Where's the mine? Uh, also, so this, uh, and I want this to spark the conversation of uh, coaches and their buyouts because nothing is better than listening to uh, people talk about how Virginia Tech's coach, uh, Fuente, Virginia Tech's coach Justin Fuente, is getting paid eight point seven five million dollars to go on vacation. So that sparked the question. I was like, well, whose buyouts are the biggest? And let me give you the second biggest buyout, which makes sense. Dabo Sweeney at $47.5 million. Oh, this is potentially if, if a coach got, not like currently, like not Coach O. That's not like the, we're not talking, we're talking about if you were to buy out Saban or, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We're talking about current coaches that uh, are not, in, well, some of them, the one I'm about to reference is in the rumor mill, in the coaching carousel rumor mill. But just to give you the comparison of Dabo Sweeney sitting at the second largest buyout at 47 and a half, this buyout is $95.5 million. Harbaugh. Jimbo Fisher. Oh, Jimbo. Mm. So all this rumor circulating about how Jimbo Fisher might go to uh, LSU, I think he wouldn't mind it. They'd be like, yeah, they have to give me $95 million to leave this place. I wouldn't mind it. But that is an astronomical number that LSU I don't think can afford. I don't think I don't think I can see Jimbo Fisher leaving to go to LSU with that number wait, in mind. Wait, how does that so how does that work with a buyout with a coach who would want to change teams? LSU has to pay his buyout to AM and yeah. then also pay and then also pay him an annual contract? Yeah. What? I'm pretty sure. So like wow. a, a team can't just like go out shopping for like LSU just can't go to Texas A&M and just like yeah. outbid them for an annual contract. They're like, no, to get our coach, you're going to have to pay us $95 million before you, whatever deal you strike with him. 
that's kind of like how um, kind of like how Japanese baseball players come to the MLB. You have to pay like a buyout with the team in Japan for them to, to even get an interview to be able to even consider them talking to you, and then you can pay them once like they're on the team. But what I did notice is I scrolled uh-huh. further down the list is that Lincoln Riley's buyout's only twenty five mil, and that's a little more you know doable down oh, there in Baton dirt. Rouge. Oh yeah, I like that. Lincoln. Now he's lost to Baylor and Big Twelve is in on the hot seat for a playoff position. Yeah. So yeah. It, it would be hilarious for Oklahoma to be like, all right, we're going to the SEC behind Lincoln Riley. Let's do this. And Lincoln Riley's like, see ya. <laughs> see, see ya. Bye. 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 Felicia. What is your stuck on this week? Well, bye. Well. Bye. <sighs> UVA, UVA basketball. Oh, I didn't want you to mention. I didn't want you to mention it. I, I mean, come on now. Like, I, you know, we got we got a stock factor. It's kind of a negative, um, negative category in our show. Lost to Navy. At least you know we beat Radford, so we're really good in state. And then we lost at Houston. Houston's coming off a Final Four appearance, but losing by twenty stinks, and our offense is looks like garbage and you know i'm just i'm worried about like what do we can we trade kihei and the rotunda for steph curry like what can we do here massey what what what's like what can we do at the trade deadline for steph curry i'll i'll sell i'll sell the rotunda i'll do it i know that's gonna maybe maybe make some uva uh, alum mad but rotunda gone steph curry in as long as we know that we got four years with him um i mean he just went to school down the road uh well where's davidson can we can we run the UVA offense through Steph? Would would that work? I think it would. I think he'd be able to do that. He'd be able to handle that. Um, UVA is looking bad. They look they look bad. Like they looked bad against a, a decent Navy Navy squad who is coming off winning the Patriot League, but the Navy was missing two of their starters and like thirty percent of their points between those two guys. Um, Houston, yeah, Final Four run, but you don't want to lose by fifteen. Um, I'm uh, not fifteen, twenty, right? What? 20 spot. Wait, Navy Navy's coming off a March Madness appearance? Maybe they're not. Maybe they're maybe they they were good. They're a good Patriot League team is what the announcers were saying, but I was like, thank you for the the silver lining. They're not an awful Patriot League team. I heard there's a lot of I heard there's a lot of semen in that backcourt. That as a that's a fact. It's a fact. They mm-hmm. all they're all and in the and in the front court. The um yeah, I, I think this is going to be a long UVA season. I, what we're going to have to see what happens in the ACC. Maybe the new guys uh, can can learn the pack line fast enough. But there, some of those, some of the trans, uh, some of our transfer portal guys are looking to shoot and looking to create and can score off the uh, off the dribble. And so that's why I'm a little more encouraged than I was last year when it was like no one knew who was the go-to guy. It does look like. Uh, does look like some. I'm, I'm blanking because I did not prepare anything for Virginia basketball because I faded it out of my brain. But um, yeah, um, Gardner. Gardner, thank. He's looking to create the the Indiana transfer is looking to create. Although he can't, he's not has not found a stroke yet. We're just we're in trouble, dude. We're we're like we're gonna be talked about being on the bubble. It's gonna be a bubble watch. I'm gonna have to watch some random Tuesday night game against NC State and Clemson and Wake Forest just to see if UVA can get enough ACC wins to be considered for an at-large team, at-large bid. So you're saying 2019 was a fluke? No. Why would I say, why would I say that? 
I'm just kidding. The, the Wait, 2019 so- had three groomed st- uh, studs that are playing. Uh, I mean, DeAndre Hunter just has wrist surgery, and Kyle Guy's on you know, a two-way contract, and Ty Jerome, he had five points in his last game, one rebound. Um, anyway, point is that those guys were groomed and ingrained into that championship run. They were third, third and fourth years and in the system, and Diakite was a fifth year in that system. Anyway, the transfer portal is going to prop UVA up, but they need those groomed guys to lead the team if they're going to make a national championship push. That's just the way that UVA is set up. It's not, it's not flashy. It's not Duke. It's not Kentucky where they can win fast and win immediately. It is a, a little bit of a grind, and I feel like this year – is going to be that grind. We're really going to see what this team is made of and what and how Tony Bennett can coach them up. Gotcha. So, I mean, yeah, I, I wanted to know, do we, speaking of non-buyout coaches, do we wait to see if Coach K really wants to retire or do we go after him? No, I don't want the Rat King anywhere near Charlottesville. You know what's going down there in Durham, just sketchy, sketchy things. He's, his players, including his grandson, have just gone wild. UVA can be his – they can be his Seattle Seahawks, like Pete Carroll leaving USC. I wanted to bring this up. Uh, so did, did you know this? Did you hear about this? Did you know this? Um, mm-hmm. Did you hear about this? Did you see this? Did you hear about this? Coach K's grandson, Michael Savar oh, boy, it's an Italian last name. Severino? Savarino? Anyway, Coach K's grandson got charged with DWI on Saturday. He did not dress out with the team. But the person that he was with who's charged with aiding and abetting a DWI, Panchero, Italian guy, he started for them on Tuesday night. Wait, Coach K had a, a grandson playing for Duke. Yeah, and guess who? Yeah, has a grandson playing for Duke. At, or ha, I mean, had now probably right. Or currently has seven. one. Currently has one. He got charged the DWI on Saturday night. His the guy riding shotgun was his teammate Panchero, and. If you're there or if it's like his car or something, I forget the rules in North Carolina. It's like aiding a DWI, which means you handed your car keys to someone who said they'll drive and then all of a sudden you're culpable in there in that decision. I don't I don't really I don't really get that part. It seems like Panchero was like, Oh dude, I'm just riding shotgun. I don't want to see what the big deal is. But the biggest news in all this, guess who the uh, assistant athletic director at Duke is? Coach I don't K's know. Coach K's uh, oldest daughter, who is Michael Severino's mother. Nepotism. Oh. All gross. Just gross nepotism wow. down there in Durham. This is this is going deep. This is a lot deeper than I thought. I didn't know there was so much relative nep- yeah, nepotism, as you said, going 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 down in, in Durham at the moment. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. I'm glad you follow Duke better than I do, because I had no idea. I... Good reporting. I don't know what... Dr- I don't know if it, it's if it's hate or if it's courage that compels me. I just had his hate do. I'm like, oh, is that negative press about Duke? I'll click on that immediately. Click, click, clickety, click, click. Next thing you know, I'm at some like Duke fan page, just with my hands hovering over the keyboard, being like, should I, should I do this? No, disengage, disengage. Um, what is your? Oh, my stuck on. Um, last week we talked about the defensive coordinator for Texas getting recorded when he hops on the on the bus and is just yelling f bombs and and just this man bonos yeah it just like all of it 
I was like, oh, this is kind of weird. This kind of makes me feel funny that this moment was caught, but nothing horrible was said. But someone pushed record in their pocket and got Kirby Smart uh, either at halftime or like as the team was about to take the field and he turned around and talked to his players and he gave a hell of a speech, like run through a brick wall speech. Like don't like just the very classy, like basically whip their butt. Don't talk trash. Know know the know that you're beating them physically and mentally all day long, and just gave like this tremendous speech. But it was recorded, and I was like, I don't like where this is going. There is a sanctity between and the relationship between player and coach, and those moments that make coaches, those invisible moments that make coaches who they are, and why the players want to play for those coaches, are are like as in the case of Kirby Smart are getting captured and put on social media and. And I, at this point, being, you know, celebrated, uh, like being like, look, this is a great speech. But I don't want this trend to start happening. I think if between player and coach, there are a lot of negative things said. There's also a lot of positive things said. But if we start getting out the negative things into the the cancel culture that is surrounding 2021, mainly 2019, 2020, we just don't need that out in the public. We don't need the scrutiny of the general population to be like, this is what can be said in the locker room. This is what can't be said. It's like the only place left where where you can have privacy. And I'm starting to get bothered by that. And I would love to hear your take on it. Yeah, 100%. I totally agree. It was okay when, let's say, Oliver Stone filmed Al Pacino slash coach uh, Tony D'Amato giving his Game of Inches speech at halftime for the Sharks, the Miami Sharks. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a movie. This isn't a movie, kids. Stop recording your coaches. Let them be them and fire you up. And don't mess things up for your team, especially a team that is by far the best in the country. And yeah. what if, yeah, what if what if Kirby Smart gets taken out of context in this and he does get in trouble? Not that he should say anything beyond a couple, of, you know, four-letter words that come out when you're when you're amped up, like the S word. I mean, these are gladiators. And, these guys are going out to kill each other. Like, there's going to be yeah. some four-letter words. Yeah. And, you know, there's been like we've seen the the Saints got clipped for Bounty Gate. So, he, you know, he's saying, let's get let's be physical with them. It's like that can be twisted into well, what does he mean by physical? You mean hurting? Like, I, I just I don't like it at all. I think there's too many ways for uh, present day, the present day, like environment of kind of how sports are covered for a, mm-hmm. a coach to get in trouble for absolutely no reason. Yeah, I just think I just think people need to respect that line, I, I, and you don't need to take a pass. I mean, I had a coach um, in high school. We played we played basketball. We had success, and and if you were to clip some of the things he said during the bumps along the way of ha- of having success on like an unforgivable loss, or you know what whatever it was, or like a halftime where you didn't play so well, the parents would have been like, "Are you serious?" You can't talk to my kid that way. But like, no, that's what we needed to hear. That's what we needed to know. Like, in your face, immediate feedback. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing right. And let's go out there and whip some butt. Like, that's what that's what coaches do. And that's how they talk to players. And I, I think right now we're celebrating it, but it is a slippery slope to, to just being like, just like you said, just taken out of context. Um, it is. It is. What is your quote slash question of the week? Well, since uh, since it's kind of getting to be ski season, there I got one from uh, from Drew Bledsoe that you'll like. Yes, yeah, um, it comes from comes from some sort of uh, Tom Brady documentary I I haven't seen yet. But by about eleven o'clock the next morning, referring to the next morning after the Rams 
Patriots Super Bowl that uh, Drew Bledsoe had to play backup to Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. By 11 o'clock the next morning, I was sitting on a chairlift skiing in Whitefish, Montana. I sat there. I was all by myself, and I cried. Massey, what's the last time you cried on a ski lift? Oh, that's a great question. Out here, you're, you don't want to risk crying because uh, your tears will freeze. And that's then true. you're going you're gonna to have a face full of frozen tears, and everyone's going to see it. Um, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. I was skiing. My life was so bad that I was skiing, <laughs> I was skiing in Whitefish, and I thought, <laughs> what am I going to do now with all these millions of dollars I've earned? Poor Bledsoe. <laughs> Think about how 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 um how quickly he got out of town after that Super Bowl. If he was already up in Montana, the Super Bowl, I'm guessing, was in a probably a Miami or a New Orleans or you know somewhere down southeast, like where it's warm. Yeah. So he got his all the way to Whitefish, Montana, to ski by 11 a.m. after Super Bowl. How much he wanted to get away from that situation? Not even going to the parade. <laughs> no, definitely not going to the parade. He's like, well, it's funny because we don't talk about this enough, but like as like alpha males and competitors. Um, in like in in professional sports, it's funny to think that you're injured, your team has success, and you're like, but you're kind of in the deep down in the recesses of your heart. It's like, well, I don't really want them to win without me. Yeah, this is I've always wanted to hear like a Carson Wentz, or I mean, I know like yeah, exactly. Carson Wentz is the most modern day I, example. Yeah, I'm 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 I've been wanting to hear a candid response like this. It took 20 years and Drew Bledsoe to, you know, get a little older, a little wiser. Like, yeah, I'm just going to share, share my life now. Cause I'm older. It's what older athletes do. Um, is that why Tom Brady has a documentary? Cause he's the oldest man to ever play football. Why does he have a documentary right now when he's still playing? It took Jordan yeah. to have a uh, 20 years to have a documentary. It's like a college football coach still coaching and having a statue outside no that's you know? that's different you win a you win a championship <laughs> yeah. and you get cast in bronze baby that's how that goes nick Foles and oh i'm forgetting his name Save. nick uh, Foles or nick Save. nick Foles has a statue outside of the philadelphia uh uh stadium him and the coach i've already forgot the coach's name so like you doug peterson doug peterson and nick Foles are probably standing side by side drawing up the philly special and bronze outside of the stadium there in Philadelphia. Like, you win championships, you get bronzes. I disagree with your take. Yeah, but those guys are off the team. Doug Peterson's a free agent coach, and Nick Foles is buried somewhere on the on the uh, Chicago Bears depth chart, so it's oh, different for... than, than Saban, who's still there. So, you know, take still stands. No, no. <laughs> you should see all those bronze statues outside of that stadium. You, it's, it's a rule. You get a, you get a trophy, you get a bronze. Mike Shula. Bear Bryant. Bear Bryant has one. I don't, I don't think Mike Shula really reached that. I mean, he had a 10-win ten, ten season with Brody Coyle once, but that was about it. And at that point, at that point in the Alabama – people don't people forget this, that Alabama, while I was in high school, or it might have been middle school, almost got the death penalty. They almost were like, hey, no football at the University of Alabama. That would have been – middle-aged men would have died of heartbreak if they couldn't watch Alabama football. Uh, for like two years so like that would have been it was such in the dumps dumpster that when mike shula came along he got 10 wins alabama fans were like we're the best we're the best that's ever was I'm like this is 10 win season like good job but like we're not that good good job but you don't know what's about to come guys you don't realize that nick saban is a sleeping tiger um is, is yeah the it's bad that i like literally can i cannot remember a pre-saban Alabama player besides Joe Namath and Brody Croyle. 
who else is there, Massey? Give me somebody else to to reference from going from going forward. <laughs> Tyler Watts, Eddie Jones, Andrew uh, Andrew Zell, Sean Alexander. Oh, um, Sean Alexander for him. Um, he still plays. Andre Smith was he one of Saban's first recruits? Cincinnati drafted first round with Cincinnati Bengals. Um, well, Eddie Jackson. I already said Eddie Jackson. Yeah, Dude, they used to run. They, they they used to run the uh, the option with Tyler Watts and that kid. That kid's bones were just made of they're just made of metal now. He took so many hits from outside linebackers, which were much bigger back then because they're all designed to stuff the run. And it was like, can we stop doing this? This looks so awful. I'm, I can't eat my lunch anymore from how bad that kid is taking shots from the defensive end outside linebacker core of like Auburn. Like this is terrible. <laughs> Um, I don't have a quote or question of the week, um, so you're gonna have to cover for me here. Do you have two? Mine was the Kirby quote. I was gonna try to mix in some dubbing, but we can we can carry on. Okay, it's too hard. It's like a puzzle to try to fit in. It's like putting Reservoir Dogs or like a Quentin Tarantino movie on an airplane. You know, back when they used to show one movie and you had to like you know edit out all the bad yeah, yeah. language. Okay, it's too hard. So let's go to our college football pick You have a lot of work to do, and I have one pick to consider. Um, let's go through our teams. It, we pick four teams at the beginning of the year. We switch them out, waiver wire status. Still don't know how it works. I'm pretty sure I have first pick. That's all that matters this you week. Do. This week. Um, so we pick four teams, and we try to measure our success by seeing if they make it to the college football playoff and ultimately winning the championship. My four teams are Bama, Ohio State, Oregon, Cincinnati, respectively. Bama is number two. Ohio State, four. Oregon, three. Cincinnati, five. Recap, I have two, three, four, and five. Grant. Neat. As Oklahoma, Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma State, they are one, six, nine, and 13, respectively. Gross. One? Is one bad first? <laughs> that, I, I've ignored that. I've ignored that. Um. And I'll go through the slate this week. Bama has uh, 21 Arkansas at home. They're favored by 20 and a half. Ohio State hosts Michigan State. They're favored by 19. Oregon on the road at Utah. Everyone circled this game. Oregon awesome. number three. Utah number 23. Utah is favored by uh, three points. And ever since they made – I think they lost two early in the year and they made a quarterback change, and Utah has been rolling since. Cincinnati is playing SMU uh, number five, Cincinnati is playing FSU. They're favored by 11 and a half. The committee did do a favor and ranked Houston, which presumptually Cincinnati Ooh. will have to play in the AAC championship since they are both are undefeated in the conference. That'll give Cincinnati another win if they're able to complete it. Oklahoma hosts Iowa State. Uh, they're favored by four. Georgia plays their cupcake, cupcake team, Charleston Southern. They didn't even give a line for this. I didn't even see a line. They're like, uh, can, is a thousand? Is a thousand too much? Um, <laughs> Michigan hosts Maryland. They're favored by fifteen, and Oklahoma State rounds out your your four picks. They host Texas Tech, uh, and I, I didn't see a line for them either. Uh, maybe I just didn't write it down. Um, so, trainer, let's talk about those guys that are out there that are possible pickups. And there's only really one that's worth, in my brain, if I were to drop either Oregon and Cincinnati, and that is Notre Dame sitting down there at number eight. Just just outside of where we've ever seen, at this point in the season, we've never seen a team 
lower than seven, make the Final Four. But they have Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State above them, which you think will sort itself out. Everyone is already discounting the Ducks as not even able to make it, even if they went out. And and See, go ahead. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't understand that part. How is Oregon winning out? How are they not being considered? Anymore? Well, when Ohio State beats Michigan and Michigan State, they'll ultimately jump Oregon, push them down to that number four spot. And I think they will take an undefeated Cincinnati. They might take an undefeated Cincinnati over a one loss or two loss Oregon is how my brain does it. And they have Notre Dame, which the the people the guys left on Notre Dame schedule are Georgia Tech and Stanford. Notre Dame will have that head to head if they beat Stanford. So I think there's just some wiggle room for Oregon to get left out of or not not a one not I you're right. People, you're right. They they won't get pushed out if Oregon wins out. You're right. They can't. I mean, that would be the if if that we talked about this last week. We went over a hypothetical of Oregon and Ohio State fighting for four or five. Like, how can you give Ohio State the benefit of the doubt after losing on their home field? I know it was in September to Oregon. I mean, that just would be such a that'd be just a massive. I know it'd be like the 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 we need to go to eight immediately because of this. But like that would be just so mean to Oregon. I think Ohio. I think if Oregon wins out. I mean, and Ohio State wins out, they'll they'll shift them three and four. I think Oregon right. will will drop below. I don't think they, I don't think they do they do that. But I think Notre Dame is sitting out there just like Notre Dame tends to do, and no one expected Notre Dame to keep winning as uh, like the committee just didn't expect Notre Dame to keep winning. Now they're looking at two kind of layup games, and they're going to have to make a decision, but probably between Notre Dame and Cincinnati, if I had to guess. Yeah, I mean that all. Yeah, that makes sense. And oh God, Notre Dame. I guess I'll I'll reluctantly drop Oklahoma. Not not sorry. Let me let me uh, let me rephrase that. I will happily drop Oklahoma for Notre Dame. Reluctantly pick up Notre Dame. Um, Oklahoma has to go to o- Oklahoma State. Going to keep that. Oklahoma State still has a very outside small puncher's chance because they have like an at Texas Tech, a hosting OU, and then you know maybe a Baylor big 12 championship, uh, beating, you know, bigger, t- a bigger team. I would need probably Ohio. See, I would need Oregon to lose at Utah, Ohio state to lose either the hosting of Michigan state or at Michigan game. And then I would have a chance for maybe Oklahoma state to just skyrocket and keeping, um, or Notre Dame, obviously there's the bias of, them wanting them around or anywhere around that fourth, fifth spot. So I guess this is my best move at this point, unless I just want to drop everybody but Georgia, which I, I don't really mind doing. <laughs> at this point, I don't care. I don't know. Um, I think I don't think I'm going to move anywhere. I think I got to I got to stick with the Ducks. I got to stick with the Bearcats. Obviously, I'm going to stick with um, uh, Bama and Ohio State. So I will allow you to make your to make your moves, and and force you force you to root for Notre Dame so I I have your blessing for Notre Dame I appreciate that um yeah I mean this is gonna be interesting Alabama the SEC title game they lose to Georgia (sighs) do they yeah when it comes to Ohio State and Oregon and let's say Oregon Ohio State and Alabama and Cincinnati which one of those we talked about this last week again those four teams for three spots 
Cincinnati at least is getting kind of a good break by getting SMU an eight and two SMU team, which is a good win if they if they beat SMU. It's not like a great win, but it's not a two and eight team. Right. So some sort of weight behind beating an SMU Mustang team right now. Yeah, I mean it's going to come down to the wire. I'm excited. It it, it truly is, and and I think if you're the Big Ten and the SEC you know how those scenarios play out. You can see it in your brain. You're like, well, the Big Ten is, is a little clearer. Like you, The Big Ten East, I think all the, the good teams are in. Yeah. If you win the Big Ten East and you go to the Big Ten Championship and you win, you're in. Like That's a clear path. If Michigan ends up beating Ohio State and wins the Big Ten, they're in. Michigan State, if they beat Ohio State, can they do, can they? Can they win a Big Ten title? I think they have to see what Michigan does, and yeah. then the SEC. It's it's a it's a undefeated Georgia is in if you win the SEC championship, and it's a and it's a uh, one loss Georgia and a one loss Alabama taking up two spots if they end up winning the if Alabama ends up winning the SEC championship. So that's all clear. That's like three. That's like two to three spots they're taking. I think everyone is on the edge of the seats to figure out who can sneak in at that fourth spot, and like you said, Notre Dame, Cincinnati, uh, Oklahoma State, there's a lot of those, like, room for that to wiggle around in, and this is why college football is hilariously unjust and awesome all at the same time. Yeah, the top the top nine, nobody's mathematically eliminated. There are obviously easier, easier paths than others, but, yeah, I think it'll be – It'll be good. Nine is Oklahoma State all the way up to Georgia. Any of those teams can still make it in. I'm wondering, I'm looking here and I'm wondering if like a two loss Ohio State, Big Ten champ Ohio State gets in. You know, like I that that part is hard for me to to like grapple with. And and Cincinnati, zero room for error. I bet you if Cincinnati lost tomorrow, uh they'd like plummet to number fifteen or something. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're waiting for I mean, the way they dropped OU, I can't imagine how far they would drop Cincinnati if they were to lose to SMU. Okay, so uh, I stayed. I got Bama, Ohio State, Oregon, Cincinnati. You have Notre Dame, uh, Michigan, Oklahoma State, and Georgia. Sorry, I always always just – Georgia's such so, like – Georgia's one yeah. of those teams this year that I just don't pay attention to because nothing about them is rocky. Like there is nothing about them that I'm like, oh, okay, maybe they'll lose this game. I'm like, okay, how big was the blowout? Cool. All right, Georgia rolls on. So it's not it's not that you got first pick this year and you didn't choose them that you're bitter about. That's why you skip over them. It's for that reason. Yes, they're they're okay, just- automatic. This I, <laughs> it's funny. I, I got a couple of text thread. I got a text thread with a buddy, uh, Will Stelling, a uh, mem- uh, member of this uh, the TST family. And he sent me a picture of DeAndre Jordan. I think not DeAndre Jordan. Who is that? Who's the number ninety nine for for Georgia? Right now? Yeah, the big uh, the big interior Dwayne, defensive lineman. Oh, I don't know. I just know their defensive lines good. I don't know the players. He is six six, three hundred and twenty five pounds, and it's like that. Ooh. Alabama's offensive line is not going to be able to handle that. They, Bill no. O'Brien, I am I am all. I'm I'm saying clean house coordinator wise, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, get them out, 
They stink. It's clearly not Saban. He knows what he's doing. He just whiffed on his hires. He just whiffed on his defensive coordinator hire, who's some frat boy who can coach in Miami with Lane Kiffin, for all I care. And Bill O'Brien is just sitting there for doing his coach's rehab program, sniffing around the NFL, seeing if he can get get out of college football and and start being the quarterback's coach for Bill Belichick. So is the, is the Heisman Trophy just going to be – this is the most boring Heisman Trophy ever. Is Bryce Young just, like, going to be the de facto winner? People don't realize this, but Alabama's first Heisman Trophy winner was Mark Ingram. So like In history? In history. And then they started, like, really cascading. They, they really started putting players into that Heisman race every year. A.J. McCarron finished third and fifth in the Heisman while he was at Alabama, something like that. He was AJ McCarron was in New York a couple of times. So it it will be it he is the de facto Heisman right now because he's the quarterback for Alabama in my opinion. Yeah. That's I mean, what I'm he, saying. Yeah, I'm saying he like, might have he, like a the, Heisman moment, you know, like against Georgia, but that's the only way I could see that happening. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, I guess he, yeah, if he can have a Heisman mo- moment beating Georgia, that would like seal it and make it seem a little more a little more rewarding, but I just, yeah, I look, I look back and I'm like, you know, Devonta Smith and all these guys that have had like, I don't know, mo- like, yeah, Manziel and uh, Lamar Jackson. And you just think of like those Joe Burrow, those guys were just having electric seasons. And I, I feel like it's just kind of a quiet. It is. It's very quiet. It's not, inter- it's going to be splitting hairs and splitting stats and people will get right. mad about it. Like the details and stuff, but I mean, C.J. Stroud is torching teams up in Ohio State, and then he goes to Nebraska, and Nebraska hangs around. And Kenneth Walker for Michigan State has basically a Heisman moment against Michigan. Didn't he score like 20 touchdowns against Michigan? Like that mm-hmm. was a Heisman moment, and then they went and lost to Purdue, and all of a sudden he's wiped off the board. Kenneth Walker is a, is a part of the transfer portal. You know who, you, who he used to play for? Wake Forest. Wake Forest, they're what? nine and one, number ten in the nation. What if Wake Forest had Kenneth Walker? Like, there's, oh my God. it's, it's all, all it is. And I'm going to sum up the Heisman race right now. It is like reading a textbook. It's like reading a textbook that you kind of like the subject in. It's interesting, but <laughs> do you wake up drooling on the page in the middle of the library and you're like, oh man, how long have I been asleep? That is this Heisman race. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it is, it is unique that. Or, it, or strange that Georgia has no candidate, you know? That's, like, the reason why it's so weird, because the obviously clear favorite, undefeated SEC team does not have a stud running back, quarterback, receiver, skills player that yeah. would obviously be, you know, automatically invited, if not the favorite for the Heisman at this point. Yeah, Georgia's best receiver might be coming back. I thought I don't know if he tore, tore his meniscus or he got his knee scoped at the beginning of the season. I forget, but... Somewhere in, in the deep catacombs of my brain, I think I heard Dawson say something strange. He was like, he might be back for the playoff. I'm like, shut up, Dawson. What do you know? I mean, he knows a lot more about Georgia football than I do. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about the NFL slate. We got some time. We got some time to uh, to cover this. All I know is that the Saints are uh, uh, are at the Eagles. The Eagles are favored by one and a half, and Jalen Hurts seems to uh, – is being utilized the way that Jalen Hurts needs to be utilized. Does that make sense? Kind of like the Kirk Cousins approach, but if Kirk Cousins could run. Yeah, I was impressed. I mean, they stomped on Denver after Denver went into Dallas and beat beat the Cowboys. So uh, Jalen Hurts, yeah, two huge wins, stomping Denver at 
uh, mile high and then beating the lions before that, like they're beating bad teams. They should beat. So the Eagles are definitely like rising up a little bit right now in the rankings and the NFC as like maybe potential. They're only four and six. Like they, there's a wild card possibility there. Don't we have seven teams in the playoffs this year on each from each division? Seven. Yeah. I don't know anything about the NFL this year, 17 games, seven team playoffs. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who's in the there's, hunt. I need the graphic. Well, there's a, I mean, there's a ton of parody. Like week nine was weird, but then week 10 almost followed up and was weirder. Like San Francisco just destroyed the Rams um, on Monday Night Football. Kansas City put it on Las Vegas, which I guess just kind of like separates them from the rest of the AFC West potentially. Cleveland went way down the ranks after getting destroyed at uh, New England by – Mac Jones mm-hmm. and um, the Lions. The Lions didn't lose. Washington beat Tampa Bay. Miami beat Baltimore. I mean, it was a weird week. Is you know, is Russ Wilson done cooking? It's a strange, it's a strange NFL. Anybody, you know, there's seven teams in the playoffs on each side, like you said. A lot of these teams still have a chance. So take us through some of the big matchups this week. All right, that, um, we got a Dark Knight. We got Dallas at Kansas City. Kind of touched on this earlier. Kansas City two and a half point. Favorites at home. Super Bowl preview, Massey. Soupy. Soupy. Uh, that was the only one I had for the Dark Knight tier. Batman Returns tier. I got Green Bay on the road at Minnesota. Um, all I have to say here is at least Kirk Cousins was honest. <laughs> it's funny. And uh, now Aaron Rodgers has a toe issue. Is that right? He's got turf toe? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the uh... – I, th- I like the Packers. I don't know if Dalvin Cook can keep can run against the Packers defense. What the Packers defense like top three this year? They they they're super. They're NFC Championship or bust right now. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Next game on this tier, Batman returns. Indianapolis at Buffalo. Indianapolis is definitely playing like a you know wild card type team. Uh, as we said, with the seven teams from each side, Buffalo fair by seven. Um, at Buffalo, I mean, this is, you know, it's interesting. Like, you know, Indianapolis is five and five. I definitely wish this was Flutie versus Manning, but I'll, I'll take Josh Allen versus Carson Wentz. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Josh Allen has, has all the firepower here. The, uh, there, are they still leading their division? I think they are the, they, yeah, it's the bills. They are six and three. The Patriots are six and four. Well, they're about to be seven, seven and four. Um, correct. Josh, Josh Allen that Bills, that Bills defense. I, I don't understand. Okay, nothing's wrong with the Bills defense, right? But what is right. up with the Bills offense right now? They, do they just hit like a midseason slump and they're kind of like Kansas City? They need to get a get-right game. I feel like the Colts aren't that good. I don't know why. In my brain, I'm like, no, Carson Wentz, Colts. Carson Wentz flailing around. His elbows stick out too far. Um, I feel like the Bills are gonna win this. And and then what was the spread? Bills by a touchdown at home by seven. Oh, that's that's close enough for me to say, to say Bills. I think the Colts may cover, but I feel like the Bills are due for a big game. Yeah, I mean, I know the Kansas City looked so lost that I was finally they got it. Yeah, they had their biggest you know get right game after looking like complete turds for four weeks. So yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor's playing really well. I just don't know if Jonathan Taylor is going to be a part of the game plan if Indianapolis goes down by fourteen early to Buffalo. So. You know, I'd say the game script is going to be in Buffalo's favor. Right on. What else you got? Uh, I put Cincinnati at Vegas. Uh, this is a AFC wild card, kind of like one of these teams. 
you know, it's one of those like matchups that it may come down to week 17 where mm-hmm. they're trying to, you know, where the records matter, opponents head to head, Cincinnati and Vegas, like those might be the six and seven teams fighting for the six, seven, and eight spot. So kind of a kind of an important game uh, in week week Agreed. eleven here. Um, does Vegas bounce back after that trumping, or or is Vegas is like win one for the skipper, locker room issues? Is that all going to kind of uh, like finally like just drain them of all their energy during a long during a long season for them? I feel like Cincinnati's. I don't know. They just have like a lot of pride. I feel like Vegas can kind of like implode, and Cincinnati is on this trajectory that they like want to do better. And I, I feel like Cincinnati in that game is a is a good pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as um, Vegas's interim coach turned into a pumpkin, and will they write headlines about did we do we miss Gruden after all? Yeah, on right. Monday or right. no? Uh, Pittsburgh. John Gruden suing the NFL. Nice move. <laughs> Go ahead, keep going. I don't know Pittsburgh at the Chargers. Uh, this is. I'm only going to say this is Ben Roethlisberger dependent. If Mason Rudolph plays, I feel like the Chargers roll here. So we don't have to get that much into this game. Catwoman tier, Miami at the Jets. Miami favored by three. I think Tua is going to play. Uh, but Joe Flacco is going to play over this Zach is worth, Wilson. This is worth mentioning. Joe Flacco is is lacing Back. up his boots against a uh, – and they and they the reason they went with Joe Flacco because he's like, well, the they really blitz a lot on – Miami blitzes a lot on defense, so we're going to put in Joe Flacco. I'm like – can Joe Flacco move? Like, can you just no. can you just throw the ball quicker away than anybody else? No, you know who can move? Cam Newton, and he's back, and I'm excited for this. This is our um, last. This, this is our last game, by the way. Yeah, revenge game, uh, kind of a double revenge game. This is Ron Rivera coaching Washington, playing Carolina. This is also Cam Newton playing for Carolina again, coach playing against Ron Rivera, who he kind of had a somewhat of a rocky ending with as a head coach so yeah this, this one's fun i like the fact that that they shipped off cam newton and they're like ah bring him back and you know that charlotte those fairweather fans they'll get up for this game because they want to see their boy run out of the uh tunnel on the silver silver blue and black did i get that yeah i, I got that how about, how about a bronze statue of cam wins this game he deserves it. Yeah, it's probably already cast. It's probably already in, in the foundry, getting ready to be assembled. They're they're doing their layout in the concrete. And they're like, they're losing by twenty, and they're like, oh man. I mean, Washington oh. did beat the Bucks last week. Maybe they're in a letdown spot after the emotional high of, of beating Tom Brady. Sports fans, that's all the time we have left. Download our podcast. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere podcasts are available. I'm your host, Massey Zeman. Graham, thank you again as always. That's it, and that's all.